time and space. Everywhere and anywhere, every star that ever was. Where do you want to start? Escaped from the moon, we've followed Mr. Spoon, something moon, something moon. So let's follow the space-time visualiser and see what these giant crabs are all about. I'm Ian. And I'm Mark, and welcome to all of time and space. Right, let's get up to speed with where we are in the story. In the far future, a group of humans is living an idyllic existence on a distant planet. Their colony is run like a gigantic holiday camp and nothing seems to trouble their carefree existence. When one of them claims that the colony is being invaded by hideous monsters, no one takes him seriously. But the doctor's suspicions are immediately aroused. What is the terrible menace that lurks at the heart of this apparent paradise? Why are the colonists unaware of the danger that lies before their very eyes? And what is the Macra Terror? Well, we'll find out after this. And don't forget, our job is to inspire the others, our brave workers who are doing such a dangerous job. All right? All right! What do you know? We all know control is right and we must obey. Let them know, let them know, let them know they're happy. Greet the morning with a shout. Everyone up, the sun is out. Rah, rah, rah. Rah, rah, rah. Oh, that's very good. That's beginning to sound like something. It still needs a bit more clarity. And I think that the girls could... Say, how did you get there? Oh, well, I was just, um, as a matter of fact... Uh... Oh, I see. You're one of the dancers. Oh, one of the dancers? Oh, I'm, I'm afraid, uh... Aye, aye, y yes, I'm, I'm one of the dancers. And you've got your dance ready? My dance? Uh, well, uh, uh, y yeah, yes, it it's ready. Well, go ahead, I'll see it now. Y you'll see it now? And don't forget, you have to be very good to get into the Happy Colony Finals. We want something gay and cheerful. Uh, gay and cheerful? Mm. Have you any music? Oh, no, I, I don't need it. Go ahead, we'll pick up the rhythm and clap to it. All right? All right! Well, come on, get on with it. We haven't got all day. Oh, hi. <clears throat> and three, and say, that's very good. What do you call it? The Highland Fling. Why do you call it the Highland Fling? Because we finished the dance by flinging ourselves out the door. Oh, that's very good. Come on now. And welcome back. And we have a returning guest for you today. It's the delightful Nathan Bottomley. Hello, Nathan. Hello, how are you? Very well. All the better for seeing you, sir. <laughs> uh, Nathan is the man of a thousand podcasts. 
Is it fair to say? Well, five, maybe. <laughs> but <laughs> You must have launched at least ten since the last time you were on. Yeah, so the, the big one is um, Untitled Star Trek Project, uh, where Joe mm. Ford and I watch a randomly generated episode of Star Trek. Um, yeah. And uh, we have Jodie into terror for new Jodie episodes, which will be the first podcast mm-hmm. I ever put painlessly to sleep after uh, <laughs> after October. <laughs> <laughs> and we do have another kind of Doctor Who flashcast in in the works uh, for when Russell mm, takes over. Okay. But of course, there's still flights. Um, that's not a huge surprise. Yeah. No, that's not unscheduled, is it? But it's a thing. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and a bit of Bond finger every now and again. Every now and again, we have long, long since run out of Bond films to do. So we mostly go mm. around to Regis Place and get drunk and watch some '60s spy-fi shit of some kind. It's, a, <laughs> could, it's could a thing. you could you maybe do some of the more obscure books? Oh, oh, we we can't really read and podcast. I think is the is the <laughs> is the thing. Mm. We could all sort of sit there reading, and then just you would occasionally hear someone grunt or like a little a little <laughs> chuckle. But yeah, a commentary yeah. <laughs> a commentary on a book doesn't really work quite so well. Mm. I mean, for the no, for the people no. listening to the podcast, it's it, you know, it, it would be the same as if you were commenting on the film because we can't see it. So. No, that's true. Yeah. That is true. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I imagine anyway. just going, what a, what a witty paragraph. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> now, we can't put this off. Nathan, you rather sneakily uh, avoided the Mind Probe last time you were on because we did a special edition quiz with the chase. Yeah. So Ian's been desperate to probe your mind, <clears throat> among other things. Ian. <laughs> Good evening. Good morning. Hello and welcome. Nathan, are you ready? I am ready. Do I have to say okay. no, no, not the mind probe, like Paul Jericho, or do we you take will, that You will do. We'll you can freestyle it. I mean, we, you can use... I mean, we've we had some that. weird and wonderful <laughs> Yeah, Christ. You've got to listen to JR. So, <clears throat> if you're ready, Nathan, this is time for you to face... The mind probe! No, no, not the mind probe. That's the reading, isn't Perfect. it? Perfect. Yeah. Beautiful. Perfect. Beautiful. Yeah. Such a laconic. It's like Jericho delivery. was in the room. Yeah. He was in the room. He was rifling through <laughs> the, in the back of the shot looking for biscuits. He's <laughs> fallen on hard times, sadly. <laughs> Nathan, satisfy the mind probe, and after the show, you'll be returned to your customary time and place. Fail the test, however, and this drooling pervert, Castellan Cochram, is literally desperate to toss you. Into the time lash. Okay, good. Yeah. Okay. That's <laughs> so a win. Either way, yeah. <laughs> it depends if you're any good. Mm, Question well. one, gentlemen. <clears throat> now these are all incredibly easy, Nathan, because we love you. Question one: In which classic monster film did Godzilla do battle with a giant crab? See, this is really a Brendan question because I don't know about these things, but I am going to go with, and um, 
you know, just bear with me on this. Godzilla versus the giant crab. I, I like the way you're thinking. Mm -hmm. I know where you're yeah. coming from, but it is, um, it is sadly Ibira, Horror of the Deep from 1966. Uh, so close. Very so close. close. Yeah, very, very close. I would have said Godzilla versus King Kong, but... Yeah. Yeah. Yes, but you're, you're deliberately trying to make him lose, aren't you? Well, yes, there is that. <laughs> Question two. Which of these book titles have I just made up? Three of them are genuine. One of them is not. Your options are Night of the Crabs, Attack of the Giant Crabs, Killer Crabs the Return, or Crab Normal Behaviour. The first one sounds like, you know, like a sort of a memoir from the 1960s of someone discovering themselves. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I'm thinking <laughs> Erica Jong, Fear of Flying, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Night mm. of the Crabs. The zipless Zipless fuck and then <laughs> yes. the crabless fuck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The crab full fuck, probably. Um, uh, I I hate to think that I live in a world where the crab normal behaviour is just made up rather than a real book, but I fear that that is the world that we live in, so I'm going to go with the uh, fourth one. You are correct. Okay. Crab normal behaviour is a book that I just made up. Wow, it'll you should the, write it. Why don't you write it? It'll be the Eighth Winterhill book. I'll, I'll get <laughs> yeah. on with that very Brilliant. soon. Right, so question three. Pain Into Power is the new album from which Los Angeles punk band? Well, um, it's, I'm, I am picking up a crab theme here. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> They're a punk band. Well, pff, like the Crabs, possibly. I like your thinking. I see where but you're coming from. They are, in fact, called Terror. Oh, wow. damn. The least Question... interesting part of this story's title. <laughs> <laughs> Question four. Name the two other classic-era stories from Doctor Who, obviously, uh, with mm -hmm. Terror in the title. Uh, Terror of the Zygons and oh, the Rain. Three. The Rain of I've... Terror. <laughs> Do I have to come up with another one? <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fine. I came up with two and I thought I'd got them all. Jesus. Yeah, no. What's, oh, the What's the other one? There's also Terror, um, of, the Terror of the Verboids. Verboids. Doesn't count. And, uh, yeah. and Autons. Oh, yes. Mm. Yeah, we're, yeah. yeah. There's loads of Terror. In far, far too much Terror. Far too yeah. much terror, Nathan. That's that's one out of four. No, no, sorry, I'm being no. I'm being very silly. That's two out of four. You're kind of fifty-fifty. Let's okay. try yeah. and tip you over the edge with a bonus question. Mm -hmm. If you're ready for the bonus I'm ready. question, okay. At the time of recording, because he will be out on his ass in very early September, which senior British politician is almost certainly a macra? Oh. Well, oh, he's probably riddled with crabs. Well, I, no, it's, not, I mean, it's not Johnson, isn't <laughs> it? Because canonically, Johnson's an Orton, isn't he? I mean, we've read that Russell short story for the uh, for that um, yeah. anniversary rewatch. Is it Michael Gove? I'd impact as a slithy. Michael Gove is an excellent guess, and I like the way you're thinking. Mm -hmm. I can see where you're coming from. 
But the answer is the Deputy Prime Minister, Dominic Crabb. Oh. I thought of, of that about yeah, no. four That's hours ago genius. when I was by the pool, and I thought, oh, I can't wait to ask about that. I've been sitting here for four hours. Uh, oh while God. we're talking about your incredible uh, jokes, yeah. just slightly going off on a tangent here, was it you that came up with the uh, dual IPA gag on your other podcast? It was It was me that did that, yeah. That I, I had a proper chuckle oh, at that. Oh, good, I'm glad. It is, it is largely supposed to be funny, so if, if people do well, yeah. some of the sketches, yeah. that's good. <laughs> mm, mm. So that's one out of six episodes. <laughs> great. Well, you know, it's not a bad strike, great. I've I've seen worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So does this uh, does this mean Nathan's still there? Going to be tossed. I off? declare him Being both free off. of crabs, and um, yeah. and you can't toss him. Wow, no. he's won. He's, he's he's defeated the mind probe. Mm. And um, we can't put off our conversation any longer. So let's uh, let's turn our attention back to Mark Cockrum, the uh, old shaft, mm. as we call him. <laughs> Harsh, but fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, the Macra Terror. Um, I've had a bit of a love-hate relationship with this one over the years. I think I first encountered it as an audio because um, I didn't read that many of the Target books and I was fairly nonplussed by it. But uh, having gone through a bit of a rewatch when we came to the 50th, uh, I watched the recon and that seemed to sort of lift it a, a bit. And now with the, the new animation that came out more recently, I've given it a bit of a reappraisal. Uh, Nathan, what, what was your first experience would it have been for FTE or had you seen it before experienced it before I I did read the target novelization I think uh and Mm. it it didn't come out till quite late like it's like 87 or something and I think I might have heard the weird audio where they get Colin in to do it for some reason and Mm, yeah um, and I had kind of always liked it um and I think I must have watched a recon for the for when we did it on FTE because I don't think that the uh, mm. the Blu-ray was out. But I think the Blu-ray is really quite amazing, and yeah, you know, it it obviously doesn't look anything like what the show itself would have looked like. But like, who cares? Mm. And it's got all of the surviving <laughs> footage and you know telly snaps and recons and stuff for people who like yeah. watching Doctor Who as a PowerPoint presentation. Um, I think like, <laughs> I think it's probably good and I think it's probably unjustly overlooked, maybe. I think it's an excellent advertisement for the benefit of having physical media. Mm. I know we've got all these great streaming services and uh, various other methods of watching, but I, that is, to me, that's one of the standout things of these collections and uh the blu-ray releases you just get so much additional content yeah. as well so uh for saddos like me who really like to go behind the scenes and and check out all the additional stuff it's i think it's well worth the money ian hello guessing this is probably your first experience or did you are we uh, <laughs> a reader of the target <laughs> i feel so so transparent it was my mm-hmm. first go i didn't read the target book i can I can't even remember what it would have looked like, but I remember probably taking a quite, you know, 
firm decision not to bother with it when I was 10. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, uh, obviously it's not available on, on BritBox over here in America, mm. so um, oh. uh, I had to I had to skip to our favourite website that we don't mention. Ah, Mailey Dotion. And, yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Or is it? And uh, mm. enjoyed the animation myself uh, this morning. Mm. Ah. So it's very fresh. Oh, good. So this is the second Doctor with a fairly packed TARDIS team. So we now have Jamie, Ben and Polly. How do you rate them, Nathan, as a as a team? Do you like them? Yeah, a lot. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Ben, obviously. But I... Wow. <laughs> but, you know, I think I kind of fantasised that it might have been nice to have had Ben and Polly with the first Doctor a little bit longer because uh, mm, yeah. that was so brief and The Smugglers is so terrible. Um, but... Ooh, <laughs> JR will be after you. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I really like Ben and Polly. I think they're terrific. Um, and mm. Jamie, obviously, you know, is a fan favourite. And I actually quite like yeah. a packed TARDIS on the whole. And there's enough room for yeah. everyone to do things. I mean, they sort of shunt Ben into a side plot for a bit so we don't get overburdened mm-hmm. with people. But everyone seems to get something to do. And this is Polly at her most stunningly beautiful with her little mm. Vidal Sassoon hair thing going on, which is yeah. so great. Yeah, so mm. big fan. I'm feeling a bit cheated that I only saw the animation now because if if that was <laughs> if that was Polly's foxiest moment, I should it is. quickly. Oh. Well, you do get like a two-second clip of her screaming at a crab. Yeah, yeah, it's like the cliffhanger, yeah, isn't it? If oh, you go hunting around. Yeah, yeah, in episode two, it's not quite the cliffhanger, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, hmm. yeah. Oh, oh, I think oh, she's beautiful, oh, elfin. Mm. You know, just delightful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, I've not really noticed that aspect of her <laughs> performance at all um but i will mm. in the interest of science i'll be looking <laughs> yeah, yeah. on the internet later on um, yeah no very selfish thank you for your service yeah yeah no yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's what she said but i since we're on the subject of the companions already i thought um mm. it was interesting that in this story polly was kind of the kind of screamy timid susan kind of iteration mm. of Polly and not the headstrong, cocky, clever, reliant resourceful Polly that we met early on um, Craze was given some excellent work to do with being possessed so he got to mm-hmm. really flex his acting muscles and, and uh, Annika Wills had to go the other way and become more of a more of a Susan and Jamie gets to do all the sort of heroic stuff. Jamie the, did a little dance the crabs. <laughs> he did <laughs> yeah <laughs> No, I, I felt like they weren't... I mean, some of the stories, particularly, I think of, like, the the Davison era when you've got that packed TARDIS and you have, like, Nissa fainting for a whole story or, you know, there's usually someone sidelined completely. I never felt like, well, at least to me, it was that obvious that they were sort of removing someone from the story, although Ben has got this sort of mind control subplot going on. I think that works really well because it kind of just gives his character another dimension and i think that's the operative word is character because the difference with the peter davison tardis <laughs> and the Troughton tardis is that the Troughton tardis has four characters in it the mm. davison tardis 
has some people in it. <laughs> I've You're not going to go dissing Janet Fielding, I, are I, you? Gosh, no. She's lovely. No, yeah, um, she is. But, and um, you'd be too scared, I would think, as well. She's, <laughs> oh, absolutely. She'd yeah. eviscerate me as soon as look at me. Um, but yeah, so on the whole, I thought this was a, a good kind of different kind of story for the for the companions but they as a team they are you know beginning to gel they're all getting fairly even distribution of lines and storylines by this point so everyone gets a fair crack of the whip and they are just a really nice friendly gang i think trouton is quite troutony by this point as well yeah um some of the very early ones he's still kind of finding his way whereas i feel like now he's really settled into this I tell you what, I was, mischievous little uh, character. As I was watching, so as I already said, I was watching the animation. But there's a point mm. where Troughton's walking along with Polly, mm-hmm. and he just looked so knackered. I was like, "Yeah, he's he's <laughs> he's producing so many episodes of this now that he's toned down the performance and he's just reduced to kind of shuffling along." And this was a cartoon. <laughs> They've done their research, obviously. Clearly, um, yeah, this was quite the watershed for me as well because I was watching the Blu-ray this week in preparation and I may have mentioned before a few times on the podcast that our son is, he's eight now and he's starting to kind of get into nerdy stuff and I've been so desperate for him to watch Doctor Who but I don't because he's quite sensitive I don't want him to watch it and then be scared out of his wits and then not want to watch it again and uh, rather than saying oh you must watch this I was just watching the animation and he just happened to come downstairs while it was on and he was like, oh, what's this? I said, oh, it's Doctor Who. So he obviously knows what Doctor Who is because you, know, you can't move for Doctor Who tat in the house. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I explained to him what was happening in the story and we sat and we watched two episodes, the last two episodes, and then we watched the little mini animation that they included as a bonus of the start of The Wheel in Space. And it might just have been that he was just really desperately trying to put off going to bed or alternatively he actually really enjoyed them I'm not sure which but that, that's yeah I was I was in a, a good place by the end of that because um, it would kill me if he decided he didn't like it so. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's not going to influence my vote at the end <laughs> but uh, yeah it's nice Ian hello would you have made your wife sit through this or do you think she would uh, um so she was she was kind of walking around in the background while i while it was on this morning but she Mm. was kind of making a smoothie Mm. watering the plants on the balcony um Mm. i didn't feel like interrupting and saying do you want to watch a cartoon about giant crabs because (laughs) (laughs) just a little voice at the back of my head said she'll Mm. hit you um she you know the the longer the longer I'm out here and, and we're sort of settling into life together, the more I'm sadly um, forcing her to sit through hours of this interminable nonsense. <laughs> but mainly from the other end of the show, from I mean, she she really likes the Capaldi era. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the she doesn't she doesn't like the Matt Smith era. So we have a fractious relationship mm. already, oh, and yeah. I sense not long for this world. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, we. I've not, I've not tried even to to really sort of point her in the direction of classic Who. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think much like an eight-year-old boy, I think, a, you know, a, 
a young American woman, I'm not going to say how old she is, that would be rude apparently, um, is a, a very different creature in a, a very different universe mm. to mm. the one that we live in. And she might think. I think no matter shit. what your age as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. very possibly. Yeah. But no matter what your age, I think we all have a that sort of thing within us where if someone constantly is telling you, oh, it's really good, you should watch it, your, your instant reaction is to think, actually, no, I don't want to watch that. Well, you yeah. see, I've never seen so, The Wire because everyone everyone spent yeah. most of the noughties banging on about it and saying, oh, it's better mm-hmm. than The Sopranos. And I was like, well, I'm out. Yeah. I don't want anything what put better me than off The was, Sopranos. <laughs> what put me off was that someone said, well, yeah, by the time you get through the second series, it yeah, gets really good. That, I'm not going to invest two you, series worth of viewing. Yeah, yeah no, that's, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's not an argument. Yeah. If you can't <laughs> come out the blocks with it. I had someone very recently tell me that... Uh, that The Wire was the best TV show ever made. And I did ask mm-hmm. them if there were any robots in it. And <laughs> right. they said no, so I don't know. Oh, well. Th- works, no robots, really. what, not at mm. all? None. No, not even a small from, one. Yeah. From Scaro or, or, or anywhere? Mm. None. So Canine and Company is vastly superior to The Wire. Well, yeah, yeah. Plus it's got swingers well, I mean, strictly in it, strictly and a much better theme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because if there's two if there's two qualities I wanted a TV show, it's swingers <laughs> and a really good theme tune, so that everyone in there yeah. knows yeah. I'm watching the program about swingers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Getting back to the macro terror, it's a bit like herding cats. <laughs> Yeah, I liked the general idea of the story. So you've got this uh, remote colony and outwardly everything seems perfect and everyone's happy and it's this uh, idyllic place where everyone does their bit and all works to make the colony a success and then the dark underbelly of what's going on beneath starts to reveal itself. And that's it kind of hits you over the head with that straight away. You're not really left in any doubt that there's a, a problem. You've got the character Medoc who is... Uh, being chased by the uh, the space police or whatever they're calling themselves, um, and I like the way that that sort of story starts to pan out. So the doctor and his chums kind of effectively catch him and hand him over to the authorities. But then the doctor is obviously twigged straight away that there's more going on than meets the eye. So um, yeah, it's mm. good. It's uh, it sets things up nicely. It's our second Earth colony for the year, isn't it? Like it's uh, mm-hmm. and it's not somewhere that Doctor Who is really been before it's getting a lot sort of freer with where it goes and what it does isn't it it's it's not trying Mm. to be one forward one sideways one back or this that or the other it's like any old shit (laughs) it's just (laughs) quick (laughs) quick get in Stuart Black to write anything at all (laughs) (laughs) and I thought episode one in particular and again I've only seen the animation I've only seen it the once so you Mm. may both have got very different opinions but I thought there was a real kind of claustrophobic creeping menace that built as episode one yeah. was unfolding. I think there were there were noises in the soundtrack that might have been yeah. the, the macro off. And um, I was absolutely transfixed by it. Again, not to sort of give away where, where I'm going to score it, but I was absolutely spellbound. <laughs> what did we think of the, the guest cast in this? There are one or two... Uh standouts i guess you could say that the pilot uh he looks very familiar mm-hmm. i think we might be seeing him again in another decade or so 
he's really good, isn't he? I mean, you cast Peter mm, Jeffries because yeah. he looks kind of sinister, and he's got yeah. the great voice. And I think he's mm. really he's really terrific. And Terence Lodge, what he's back in Carnival of Monsters and. Mm-hmm. Is it Planet of the Spiders he's back? Is he one of those oh losers at the monastery? I think he probably is. <laughs> um, Chapter three, losers <laughs> at the monastery. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so they're p- pretty great. I have no idea who the guy who played Ola is, but again, awesome, mm. you know, kind of creepy. Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah, and the macra, like the control macra, has such a fabulous posh voice. I think he's awesome. Mm, yeah. A crab Very kind of big brother, RP. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Hello, Sebastian. <laughs> <laughs> nice to meet you. <laughs> Giving it all that. Yeah, that works really well on audio, doesn't it? I was kind of waiting for the revelation. They were talking through some kind of ring modulator or something, but a reversed mm, ring yep. modulator, so they came out sounding mm. human, but. But no, no that, that's that his real voice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What's he my motivation in this scene? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, I thought the guest cast were brilliant. I thought also, again, in the animation, um, it took me a, a, a few a few moments to twig. It was Peter Jeffries. I, I assumed mm. that they'd made the pilot just look a bit like David Cameron. <laughs> he, had, he had this kind of bland, wow, that's a bit harsh, gammony yeah. kind of thing going on. Just in the mm. first couple of postures where you see him, he's, um, mm. you know, it's not, it's not so good. But um, yeah, I thought he was wonderful, and as you say, he's, he's got an amazing voice, hasn't he? It's very, mm. you're just, you're, you're primed for him to be the, the ultimate evil, and he never is, which is disappointing. Well, you get that hint that there's something not quite right just by the the music that they constantly play over the uh, the tannoy that um i must admit the first time i listened to the audio i found that incredibly grating <laughs> but i guess that's the point of yeah. it but well i think i think um to quote the doctor it was it was very gay wasn't it i mean it very, just gave yeah, the very gay and cheerful. It a couple of times yeah. isn't it gay yeah. and cheerful yeah. Yeah. yeah i i thought it it really um i i don't know how much it was supposed to be a dig at kind of American TV shows or American culture, but it really captured that kind of mindless. Um, actually, I shouldn't be rude, should I? Um, <laughs> can You're we cut that? You're going to get sent back to Blighty very soon. Yeah. At this rate, yeah, don't let my employers hear this. It really captured that kind of um, uh, saccharine kind of positivity, mm. Um, mm. and you can imagine that a colony like that. You know, should you ever lie there at night imagining a colony like that, <laughs> you imagine it would have to have a certain amount of that kind of social engineering going on just to keep everyone from going stark staring mad. It's hard to work out what they're doing with a colony. Like, is it is it like sort of totalitarian Russia with a secret police and and curfews and certain things that can't be said and and mm. you know. Um, but then why all the sort of weird, you know, radio jingles and stuff like that, which, yeah. which doesn't seem that Enforced way at all. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, Ian Stewart Black has sort of done this before, hasn't he, with the savages. So, again, you have this sort of idyllic society and then you get the reveal that they're feasting on the savages mm. aren't they? Just like a bit of mind control as well. Yeah, it? yeah. And and 
and I guess I guess it's easy to underestimate how important Ian Stuart Black is to the history of the show because I think it's the savages that's the first time that the doctor brings down an oppressive regime and the final scene has mm-hmm. him like smashing up the the machines and saying how much he enjoys yeah. kind of tearing down a system and then here the same sort of thing happens there's this regime which we discover has this horrific secret at the heart of it or at the control center or the mm. brain or whatever and the doctor works to bring it down and in both of them there are hints at a specific kind of oppression like it's racial i guess in the savages and mm-hmm. here maybe it's totalitarian but like i think this yeah. works awfully well for capitalism as well everyone is mm. you know encouraged to be happy and jolly and do their work get up work enjoy their work you know but they're just making stuff and shoveling yeah. it in the direction of some posh <laughs> asshole you know like it <laughs> What do you imagine the day-to-day work in that place is? Because, I mean, I know they, 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 a lot of them like to hang around near the old shaft. We've covered that. Well, yeah. yeah. Apart from that, I mean, is it, so there's mining. Is there presumably someone's growing some vegetables? There's a bit of agriculture, maybe? Or do they just oh, quite eat Quite a bit pills? of dancing going on. Yeah. Dancing is that really? Can you Can you monetize that? Is that a revenue <laughs> stream, really? Well, I don't know. You know, I'm asking for a friend. Um, yeah. <laughs> Rishi Sunak, he's looking for um, Can we make people dance for money? Apart from uh, Fraser Hines, obviously, because the answer is yes. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's a kind of, again, based on the animation, it's a kind of huge metal citadel on top of a rocky structure. Doesn't really give you much idea what it's there for, what it does, what life's like in there. Apart from everyone has these great dance routines and, you know, has a, a jolly time working very hard. Yeah, I just think you can't... It, like, the premise is so paper-thin that, you know, you push it mm. and it falls to pieces. I mean, all of their work seems <laughs> like to be... <laughs> yeah, well, it seems to be dedicated to getting the poison gas to the crabs in the colony's brain. But there's mm-hmm. no... But that's all anyone ever does. So God knows who's how they're eating or making the clothes or whatever. Who's building the house? You know, like, I don't know. Who cares? But it is one of those things where it's set up to make a point and doesn't actually work in any real sense as a credible colony. But, you know, it's Doctor Who. I was I was going to say it's much like the Death Star. You don't get a lot of kind of backstory or the logistics of how the Death Star works who's the operations director that kind of thing but then again if he'd if he'd put it in the uh, prequel trilogy you would have got an entire two hour movie about the (laughs) HR department on the Death Star I mean Eddie Izzard does a very good routine about the canteen yes yeah Yeah. Death Star canteen so this is basically just Doctor Who getting there first with this kind of silly space location which doesn't bear much textual analysis no (laughs) but i guess it's funny is that the the prisoner doesn't come out for a couple of years and Mm. it's that sort of thing as well where you've got this incredible artificial environment there's mind control there's sort of enforced jollity everything's fake it doesn't work as a proper sensible premise in any way Uh, but it doesn't matter you know, it, it's all about the atmosphere. I thought it worked 
really well. I thought there's a very creepy atmosphere when you see the companions sleeping and you've got the disembodied voice speaking through the tannoy and the gas kind of coming through. And I thought that worked pretty well. I thought that was quite creepy. Why does the Doctor get his own room and then the other three are all in the same room? I don't, I don't That's because he's the leading actor, isn't I he? I suppose. He's the star. He's his would... own trailer. <laughs> he's a, I, I <laughs> actually wondered whether they were originally in different rooms because there were some things that seemed like they didn't match the animation quite as if, as if I don't know, the boys were sleeping in one room and Polly had her own room or something originally. I can't remember. It must mm. be in the... And that's the that's the scene where, of course, Jamie is tossing restlessly, which um, he really is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which Colin says is it? Colin says that's it on the audio like soundtrack. <laughs> did you did that part of the uh, audio tape get worn out quite quickly? Yeah, it did. <laughs> I listened over and over again. Yeah. 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 <laughs> could you hear him moaning about the Piper? Because <laughs> actually, if you think about Billy Piper, I've often laid it. Yeah, down. no. Okay. Again, actually, you can cut that bit. Yeah, yeah, that bit. yeah it's no. Sorry. Isn't that funny? We were complaining about, the, you know, the 80s Doctor Who um, TARDIS team being sidelined. This is building an android or fainting or whatever. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> Jamie, <laughs> Jamie, Jamie uh, spent a fair amount of Moonbase tossing restlessly, didn't he, rather than actually participating yeah. in the action? Yeah. In yeah, fairness, well, I don't think he was actually in the original script, was yeah. he? So, no, so yeah. I think it was a case that we've just got to shove him somewhere so that he doesn't <laughs> but, um, get in the way. By, by the time we get to the 80s, there's no excuse for making any of those characters into an afterthought. They've all been very deliberately placed within the yes. context of that TARDIS. And... Um, and we're now very close to going off on a rant about Eric Saywood. <laughs> Why is it so hard to stay on track with these things? Never, ever that far away, are they, those oh, rants? The, yeah. the looming menace of <laughs> 1981 onwards. Oh, terrible. Um, so, yeah. So, um, maybe maybe there was this kind of sense in the, in the, in the production office or the BBC that we don't put the Doctor with the younger people in bed yeah. rooms because that'd be weird mm, yeah. and it's all very yeah. no hanky-panky in the TARDIS kind of mentality um, then again Troughton's the star he probably has that on his rider you know I get my own room even in a space station mm. so mm. you know there's a number of reasons and any any of them would make sense um, so I suppose we, we'd really better talk about the, the macro Yes, um, I think in the, the animation, they're probably somewhat more nimble than they would have been in the original transmission. This, this is very much my concern, Mark. <laughs> I feel like I got the good end of the stick and that some viewers may have, may have got less, mm. le less excellent. As is work. often the case, when you look at the still photos of the, the prop, they look really impressive. But you do wonder just mm, I, how much that's going to translate to a moving image. I think the ones in the animation are great and I'm glad that they mm. redesigned them for it. And they still look sort of yeah. slightly crappy. Like, they they are mm. nimble, but they they do move like just a sort of big 
object and like the eyes yeah. look like they've been realized as sort of light bulbs on stalks and stuff mm-hmm. so there's a sort of towers yeah yeah i got a real kind <laughs> yeah. of pool cleaner vibe from actually the original <laughs> ones look like the pool cleaner i think and the, yeah. like the original ones are like a mini cooper or something dressed up as a crab is that it yes. like it's something yeah, like yeah. that i went out and with her it's once a car, yeah. <laughs> they have sort of very they've got a kind of pubic like you know like i don't want to bring things down lower the tone but they they're furry in a sort of unpleasantly pubic Dude. sort of way i think the original <laughs> ones and like i did watch the surviving uh footage from the cliffhanger to episode one am i dreaming that mm-hmm. is that real and and if, if fortunately, they're still in the dark. They don't really reveal too much. But mm. I have to think they don't look really good. That, that scene where, you know, one grabs Polly by the ankle and is sort of dangling yeah. her upside down, which is really great, yeah. where she was just yeah. sort of there screaming while, you know, some polystyrene things kind of flailed mm. vaguely mm. in her vicinity. Like, <laughs> I don't think they <laughs> look very good. And I'm sure that they would be charming as hell to watch if we actually if we actually had more of them. It would have been tremendous. But, uh, yeah, I think the animators made the right decision. I think also in, in part four where Jamie is kind of cornered by two or three of them and he... Yeah. Forgive the expression, he, he beats them off. Um, mm. He made quite Single light handedly. work of that in the animation, so I imagine in the mm. studio it would have been absolutely risible. Because <laughs> there's one on the ceiling and stuff. Like they do all sorts of really fabulous mm. things, and and in the control room mm. where there's a whole heap of them, and then there's the big giant one who's surrounded by mm. what is he surrounded by? They look like piles of rock. Like or piles something. of rock, yeah. yeah, yeah. Or maybe yeah. they're like droppings. Well, that oh. was how I was reading it. I have to say, I was trying to find a yeah. tasteful way of bringing that up, but yeah. Yeah, he's probably been Does, sat at the, there at the risk for a of while. sounding like Alan Partridge. Does anyone know if crabs do poo? <laughs> <laughs> Can we get a crab expert? Does anyone know if crabs do poo? <laughs> now, Nathan, you said that the uh, the animators have made the right choice. I feel like now is possibly the time to bring up uh, something that was omitted. Uh, do you think that was the right choice? So I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I actually had a chat with Brendan about this, and I think that that scene is kind of important because we arrive in the colony and straight away the colony tries to sort of impose its standards of order and decorum Mm. on everyone. And so I I don't know if you know this, Ian. There's a scene where... You know, there's a scene in episode one where they kind of offer massages and, I don't know, Reiki and shit, and I can't remember, yeah. but like a yeah. r- relaxation <laughs> things. Yeah. And and th- that actually goes into a scene where they're put in a cleaner clothes thing. And that's the thing that does Polly's hair, because her hair's long at the beginning, yeah. I think. And so I that's would... the thing that gives her the haircut. Apparently she got in terrible trouble for getting that haircut during her week off yeah. or something and she came back with an absolutely stunningly marvellous, you know, very now <laughs> 60s haircut and got yelled at by the production team. But anyway, they put them in this machine and and so Troughton comes out looking spick and span with all of his clothes clean and pressed and there's no visual, we have nothing, do we? There's no photo of that. I don't think so. No, no. and... and 
and you know presumably his tie straight and his trousers are pressed and his hair's all sorted and stuff like that and then he goes bugger yeah. that and gets into the massage machine which then sort of <laughs> you know like gets his clothes back to their and hair back to its usual state and you know that sort of conformity that the colony inflicts on everyone and then the doctor's immediate rebellion against that is kind of you know like it's thematically important because the doctor will go around breaking things Mm. smashing their machinery breaking the law saying that bad laws are made to be broken like constantly undermining this place that has this sort of um, conformity. So I think it's important thematically. However, if we can't see the real footage, then who gives a shit? You know, like what? We would have got to see a drawing of them doing that? Well, who cares? You know, what I really want is for episode one to be rediscovered because that's the thing Mm -hmm. that I want to see maybe even more than Power of the Daleks episode one. I want to see (laughs) what that looked like. Yeah, I think season four is a strange one because it's you've got this mid-season regeneration and you've got a relatively new production team going about things in a different way and i think this feels like they've really settled into their routine now and they kind of know what they're doing would you agree or yeah i i think so i think that this stuff like i'm not a big fan of series five the following year i think they just remake the same show over and over again uh, with an eye to the american market possibly but it does become a bit mm-hmm. tedious um but yeah. here that they, they are trying new things and i think like i really really properly think that ian stewart black is is he has been important in that because because he's the one who who invents the idea that people might have heard of the Doctor. He's the one who has the Doctor pulling down oppressive systems. Uh, he's yeah. got an interest in mind control. These are all his sort of things, and they're also very period, aren't they? They're very 19, 1967. And so while the surrounding yeah. stories are all great, with the possible exception of the Highlanders, which is terribly tedious, oh, apart from Ben in a wet shirt. I'm up, up for wet shirt. Ben in a wet shirt. Um uh, like it it seems to be really now doesn't it like this mm, this yeah. episode seems really contemporary and uh, you know we're gonna have uh, like the moon base is absolutely timely uh, the faceless ones you know all of these things are yeah are speaking to really kind of modern sensibilities and early doctor who was so much more sort of storybook and so much more yeah. it was old-fashioned you know and yeah, you could imagine having watched this and changing channels and watching The Avengers. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, yeah I mean, just to just to pepper your, your very interesting conversation with my inane crap, um, <laughs> the last two or three stories have really gone up a gear for me, and I feel yeah. like the show is in a, a, in a real groove now, and it is a groove of we can do what we like, we can go where we want to go, We've kind of cast off the shackles and limitations of what the show began as and how it's how it evolved, and you know, this this is great. This is unexpectedly vintage stuff. I'm I'm seeing obviously for the first time because I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> 
it is it's that doctor like just this doctor you know like hartnell's great in the savages and is having real fun smashing the control room up at the end like he's really mm-hmm. properly enjoying himself and you know he's obviously much more fun and silly and sweet than he gets credit for being yeah. But Troughton is perfect. This is kind of the beginning of the the man who drops from the sky and tears down your world. You know, this is yeah. him. He just sort of turns up. He flits around at the margins. He doesn't make a big deal of himself. And then he just sort of swoops mm-hmm. in at the end and, uh, and it, you know, overthrows an evil, tyrannical regime. It's just terrific mm-hmm. stuff. And he's so good in that role. Yeah. I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed Hartnell, and um, it was quite a revelation just watching those stories back. Uh, but this feels very much like the kind of intergalactic Sherlock Holmes who comes in and he's kind of always one step ahead of the bad guys, and he's he's kind of figuring it out. And uh, I think also Troughton is, is um, sorry, I just spoke all over you. I'm so no. rude. Um, Troughton's, <laughs> I think, the least imposing of the Doctors. Mm. Mm. You know, any of them are capable. I mean, you know, three and four are, you know, eight feet tall and looming over everyone. And Colin's got his own larger dimensions. Um, But (laughs) but Troughton's just a little scruffy guy. Yeah. Who who just sort of twinkles quietly. and, And there's something terrifying in that. And there's something very... Very Sylvester as well, I think. Yeah. Mm. Uh, you know that, that scene where Sylvester becomes the Doctor in Paradise Towers where he's got the rule book and he's, yes. you know, talking the guards through it. And you you have Troughton doing the same thing here, you know, saying mm. that uh, you can't arrest us because we've just, uh, you know, turned ourselves in and that's against the rules. And, and against the and rules. Yeah, yes. we, we captured Medoc and so it's all right if I just set him free because now <laughs> we're even or whatever. Like, he he does all of that and his absolute disregard and disrespect for the rules um, is, mm. is a thing that the Doctor will stay with most future Doctors uh, and it's yeah. so essential to the character and it's Troughton who brings it. No, I'm really enjoying his Doctor. I mean, I've always, since I can remember, I've always liked Troughton's Doctor. But um, yeah, this seeing them in the in the order, I don't know, it just gives it a different perspective, and you can see his character just kind of falling into place. And uh, I'm yeah, I'm really really enjoying it it's it's that moment in the underwater menace when you see him actually moving really for the first time you're not just watching animations or slideshows and stuff and you just think like underwater menace is whatever but he's electric Mm. you know he's just so tremendous immediately and seeing like i would love to see him in this listening to his vocal performance is great but yeah you know actually seeing him do this would just be magic i think I mean, they do a great job with these animations, but I've said this many times and I'm not the first to say it, half of what Troughton brings is that kind of the business, the the visual stuff that you're not going to see in the, the animation. Um, that When we had the that episode of um, Underwater Menace that came back uh, and he's doing that business where he kind of taps the side of his head to make out that uh, he's crazy and I just little things like that that you wouldn't have known in the the audio only yeah and you just imagine what else is going on that we haven't seen he's got such a mobile face it's so so expressive and uh and we really miss that i think is there anything else we want to talk about well now so straight away i have um i i'm coming up with many ideas for these kind of 
expanded universe, multiverse kind of spin-off series that Russell T. Davis could do. Oh, yes. My latest one is... Now, I've got my notes here. It's called The Danger Gang. Now, who'd watch a TV show called The Danger Gang? Yes, please. Yep. It's just three three guys going down a mine shaft. That's I haven't really oh. fleshed out. Oh, okay. The, mm. the title, but that's mm. the kind of how it starts. Okay. And then uh, probably that that that'd mm. be good. You wonder how well that works in a job advert, though. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I don't know how many applicants you get for a job. You yeah. know, foreman, the danger gang. You'd be you'd be sitting there in the interview, and you and you'd be like, "Can I can I just ask where you've put danger gang? Is that mild danger? Is that regular danger? <laughs> Is that eight hours a day of peril? I mean, because yeah. this salary doesn't really look commensurate with danger. This, you know, I'd want more money. You, you wonder about their workplace workplace health and safety people." Maybe yeah. they're, they've probably yeah. been brainwashed by the macro. It's That's poison probably, gas, but it's fine. Good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or <laughs> just smoking some poison gas. Yeah, right. It'll be great. Yeah, have a laugh. Yeah. It, Ian, did you watch it in colour or black and white? This is, this is an I important watched, question. I watched it in colour. Yeah, I did too, because I'm a monster. And, like, it's not fucking Shakespeare. It's fine. Um, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but the green poison gas was just awesome, and I oh, feel yeah. very sorry yeah. for all the people who saw it on first broadcast where the poison gas was just a sort of vague white or whatever. The green yeah. just absolutely sold mm. it for me. Green green is, is alien. It's menacing. Yep. It's got a powerful semiotic voodoo, mm. whereas just white smoke is probably yeah, the floor yeah. manager having a fag at the side. <laughs> That's right. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the Dalek casings off screen has caught fire because yeah. people are smoking in it in the studio. Has anyone got any Rizzler? <laughs> no, I really like it in colour. I think, why not? And it usually gives you the option of a colour or a black and white. Yeah. So, you know, what's not to like? No, I think that's charming. I think that's terribly sweet. I don't know why they don't just get the people who want to watch it in black and white to just turn the saturation down on their telly, but, like, well, whatever. Yeah, you could do that. Yeah, but, um, yeah, maybe it's slightly different. Uh, but, yes, I watch it in colour because I'm a monster and I don't care about, you know, <laughs> seeing it in quick, the original quick form. Quick question. Quick question mm. for you, Nathan. How confident are you? That you could go up to your television set right now and alter the saturation. It would take maybe a good half an hour, I think. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. Google and swearing and more yeah. coffee. Yeah, <laughs> I think you're underestimating Nathan there. I, think I don't think I am. I think, Do you know? I mean, I, yeah, I think he would. I think he's a. I think he's a, a god that walks as a man. Um, mm. But <laughs> but also Telly's now a yeah, bloody complicated. Terrible. You know, yesterday I read something that said that uh, the reason that your iPhone is so fascinating to you is the dopamine hit you get from all the colours. And uh, Mm. so I experimentally turned my phone into black and white, which is a thing that I didn't realise you could do for accessibility reasons. Yeah, yeah, it changed my life. I got a lot done. How do you do that? Oh, it's in accessibility. Going to accessibility. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Right. I guess that's for colourblind people. Oh, and it has various things to make 
colorblind people be able to see properly but the completely uh the completely black and white one the phone suddenly became super dull and i had no choice but to become extremely productive for the entire i've switched off now obviously like, well that sounds terrible monster. yeah i mean <laughs> ian's now yeah he's doing it i have but unfortunately my my phone's now gone back to 1966 settings yes. so it only works for 25 minutes every saturday afternoon <laughs> and it's got a rotary dial on the front yeah. which is a bit tricky it's yeah. it's easy to deal with and accidentally setting the language to tie because there's no way out of that <laughs> because That's you can't favorite. see what the language setting is anymore. Like, you know, you've set it to ah. Portuguese and you've got a fair chance of guessing what the word for language is, but Thai mm-hmm. is a problem. Or Latin. I mean, that would be <laughs> quite an easy one for you, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> so I think we've chatted for long enough. Why don't we give this mother a rating? And we'll come to our beautiful guest, Nathan, first. Well, you're going to give it out of 10. Well, I'm famous for not giving things ratings out of 10. Yes. Uh, yeah. That's a thing that I won't do. But mm. I would say that this is considerably better. Like, watching this is considerably better than, like, eating crab. Because, like, crab... <laughs> Like, crab is a lot of effort, isn't it? Like, it, it, mm. you've got these things, you've got to, like, suck on the exoskeleton, which is super yeah, upsetting to me. Uh, yeah. um, I came into the kitchen the other day and my husband had, like, there was a crab, you know, uh, belly up on the table and he'd stuck a giant Ew. metal spike in it. So there's kind of murder and violence involved. Mm. And the meat... It's a bit grim. Do you know what I mean? Like, you can get quite a lot out of cow, a cow, without yeah. sucking on its exoskeleton. Yeah. And they're bottom feeders as well. So yeah. yeah. And really disgusting I don't stuff. think they taste particularly no. impressive. They it's taste nothing, like someone's got some, got some paper and waved a prawn at it for 10 minutes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And that yeah. paper... Showed that's... it a picture of a prawn. Yeah. 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 No, it's, yeah. it does seem like a lot of effort to go to for very, very minimal results, I think. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Yes. So so I would say it was better than that. Um, and I would say right. also that it's, it's incredibly important to the show. It's where, what mm. the show ends up being like. And, I, you know, like I was talking to... Uh, my friend Joe Ford, my fellow podcaster Joe Ford, about it, and he mm-hmm. said that the last two episodes were generic, and but in a way they're only generic in retrospect because that's where the show ends up going. Yeah, uh, it, mm-hmm. it hasn't been there before, and uh, no. so this is hugely important to where the show ends up. And when the show ends up being about someone who travels through time and brings down the government all the time, you know, that's superb. That's so much more interesting a premise mm-hmm. than. You know, they land somewhere, something falls in front of the door, hijinks ensue for a couple of hours, <laughs> they get the thing off, out of the front of the door, and then all go away. Like, bring down the government every time. It's a, it's a brilliant mm-hmm. it's a brilliant conception of the show. So, does that answer the question? It's, yeah. I mean, that's, that's you were very eloquent, but when we come to do our end of season reviews, you know, uh, the, the, this story all right, falls behind I'll give it a the nine, others, we're only going to have... Ooh, always <laughs> gone high. Ooh, get yeah, yes, yeah. Yes. Go big or go home. Ian, what would you like to give this one out of ten? So, 
as I as I said earlier, we're in the middle of a really strong run of stories. This one is a hugely entertaining political allegory with a, a docile population being brainwashed and gaslit by a craven, cowardly governmental regime who, offering no solution to society's clear and present environmental threats, instead bury their mm. heads in the sand and pretend there's nothing wrong. And anyone who can mm. see through the lies and dare to speak out is labelled a madman and ostracised. Mm kind of a parallel i'm going yes. a strong seven mm. seven mm. i mean the irony is that we're recording this in the height of the british summer and i'm you know wearing very little sorry are listener. we trying to get an explicit uh, tag Mark? <laughs> 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 I mean, so, I've got but the chances trunks. are this will probably go out in uh, in the height of winter where most people are going to be struggling to pay their fuel bills because someone decided it'd be better for multi-millionaires to be multi-billionaires rather than... Funny we were part of a really large trading block of countries Mm. that were sort of regulating Mm. this. Uh, Only the British people are, anyway. So I'm... Will they even have the internet in the future, like when this goes out? Won't Liz Truss have accidentally unplugged something or... Well, just to be on the safe side, if you can give me your postal address and I'll work out a way of getting a carrier pigeon to you uh, just in case. Yeah, yeah. Burn it on disc and <laughs> just send everyone yeah, a, yeah. a disc. Yeah, yeah. We'll do yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. Fine, fine. Okay. Well, I am going to give this one an 8 out of 10. I really enjoyed it. The, I think the animation just takes it up another notch again. I know it's possibly not going to be the most true to the original vision that you saw on screen if you were lucky enough to see it the first time round, but I just thoroughly enjoyed it. So it's going to be an 8 for me. So that's what we thought of the Macro Terror. Let's get some listener feedback. I've got mail! Okay, well let's see what you've got to say about the Macro Terror. So first up from me, we have heard from David Kitchen on Twitter. And David says, a really underrated adventure with lots going on. Ben's brainwashing is really effective and the Macra are a suitable creepy monster. Many memorable moments. How often do fans quote, there's no such thing as Macra? I think you'll find quite a lot if you listen to the feedback. (laughs) Uh, Only downside is the ending is a bit of a mess, but I love it. Thank you, David. And we have heard from Andy Taylor at Bodge77. Andy writes... Always enjoyed this ever since the 90s Colin Baker narrated audio came out. It's very underrated and I don't think the animation helped. While the huge landscapes may look nice, they're not really in keeping with the times and leaving out the rough and tumble machine part is poor. He's a traditionist, is our Andy. (laughs) Uh, uh, Next up, we have heard from James Courtney. And James says... Weird that you asked us to comment on a story and then don't give us a story title. I think he's going for the old meta sort of uh, no such thing as macro there. Thank you, James. And we've also heard from Lucy McCall. And Lucy writes, I like it and I wish there was more surviving footage. The hidden and denied menace is well done, as is the happy place with a dark secret. Yeah, that's a good point. And lastly from me, we have heard from Jenny Shirt. And Jenny says, but, but there's no such thing as macro. Thank you, Jenny. And uh, before we go over to Ian, we have something from 
the genius that is known as Andy Moore. Inside the Andy Moore Writer's Room. Right, you horrible lot. Stop typing. Macroterra, what do you got for me? Benjamin. Oh, um, um, how about... You'd love to do some feedback on the Macroterra, but you can't because there's no such thing as Macra. No such thing as Macra. Benjamin, what do we say about going Route 1? Oh, uh, we never ever go Route 1. Yeah. And what do you think there's no such thing as Macra is? Uh, Route 1? Next, Charlie. Don't fuck it up. Uh, how about something having a dig at all the people who got worked up about the stuff that was missing from the animation? Ah, oh, for... Next! How about something about catching crabs? Right, so what you're saying is you want me to do something about pubic lice. Yeah, but it'd be really funny pubic lice, because they'd be really big, right? This is giving me no pleasure at all, lads, but you know what? It's the only way you'll learn. Next! How about the holiday camp angle? You could put on Welsh accents, go all hidey high. Um, you could maybe make some reference to Philip Maddock, even, because, you know... Hello, chaps. Listen, I'd love to give you some feedback on the Macra Terror, but I can't, because there's no such thing as Macra. <laughs> Cheers! Thank you, Andy. <laughs> Up to your usual standard, of course. He's, he's right, it is a struggle to be anything other than Route <laughs> 1 when you're... <laughs> When you're faced with a story with mm, villains like this. Crabs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ian, mm. who have you heard from? Well, so firstly, we've heard from our dear old friend and uh, and sometime contributor, Matt Barber, who responded oh, yes. to your call. Uh, if you remember, you tweeted mm. out, you know, what, what did you think of this story? Mm. Mr. Barber has replied thusly. Mm. Bing. Bong. Bingly bong. Bingy, bingy, bong. Bingly Bingley Bong. Those are his mm. thoughts. Yes. He's really come on a long way from that sort of he shy, really really um, has, yeah. clueless idiot who first got in touch with us. <laughs> He's now one of our more erudite uh, interlocutors. So thank you yeah. for that. Yeah, um, we've thanks, also heard from the Randomizer podcast. Who? Oh, it's a great show. Oh, I love mm. the Randomizer podcast. Mm. It's, it's a very comfy Sunday afternoon. Sock, you know, slippers and. Bit of bit of sofa kind of show, lovely. Mm. They say, brilliant and chilling story. Shades of Happiness Patrol. Yep. Um, mm. Or rather, that has shades of this. Ben under mind control is genuinely disturbing, and the monsters are cool. Glad they returned in Gridlock, albeit briefly. Yeah, we didn't mm. talk about Gridlock, but um, ah. no. Uh, I, oh, I seem to remember. Are you a fan of that one, Nathan? I love Gridlock. It's absolutely one of my favourite Doctor Who stories ever. And it is one of those things where you've got this world that's constructed to, you know, make a philosophical point and, mm -hmm. uh, and it has monsters in it. And a hymn. A good old Protestant yeah, yeah. hymn. So I'm yeah. here for it. And oh, it's, in the, it's included as a special feature on the Blu-ray. So. Mm. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Good lord. <laughs> yeah. These blue rays of which you speak really do sound awfully good. Maybe yeah, I should, it's a, um, literally a recording of anyone who has ever said the word macra can be found on, on that blue ray. Mm. Christ. Mm. Tom Turlow has been in touch with us. Again, in response to the question, What do you think of the macro tarot? 
He says, mm-hmm. trust me, assuming we'll live long enough to see you reach the Tom Baker years, some Doctor Who I've actually watched, I'll be reviewing away each week like a motherfucker. In the meantime, <laughs> may you continue doing God's work. I love the podcast. Well, thank That's you, That's lovely, Tom. isn't it? Thanks, Tom. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I wonder if he's actually related to Vizlor Turlow. Oh, could be. And finally, Hayden Gribble, who says, Brace yourself, guys. There's no such thing as Macra. A fun adventure, greatly helped in its popularity by the most gorgeous animation to date. Seven out of ten. Marvellous. Before we go to Nathan, we've had some feedback from Tom. Hey, Tom. We watched some Doctor Who together, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Did you like it? Yeah, I did. I really liked it. Yeah, because you haven't seen any before, have you? No. Hmm. Do you remember much about what happened? Well, I thought the crabs were being slaved, but the humans were being slaved. Yeah. So the crabs were secretly in charge, weren't they? Yeah. Mm. And now I know the green gas is Good for the crabs and bad, bad, bad for humans. Mmm, yeah. And did you like the Doctor? Yeah, I liked his friends too. Mmm, yeah. Yeah. And it's a bit weird, wasn't it, because one of them was... Yeah. ...being controlled. Controlled by the crabs. Yeah, but then he came back to being good again, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah. Did you find the crabs a bit scary, or they're okay? Not too bad? No, not too bad. Mm hmm. Scary, they weren't not scary. So they were scary enough, but not too scary? Yeah. Yeah. So did you like it enough that you might want to watch another one sometime? Yeah, 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 definitely. Cool. And because you didn't see all the episodes, I suppose it's a bit hard to really judge it, but if you had to score it out of 10, what would you give it out of 10? 20. Wow! Yeah, I'm going over the scale because I really, really like it. Oh, that's good. Right, well, thanks very much for letting us know what you think, Tom. Yeah. Um, we'll speak to you again soon, I expect. Yeah. Thank you, Tom. Next up, it's time for some audio from our friend Ben Schneider down in Indiana. Hello, Mark and Ian. This is Ben Schneider from South Indiana, USA. My favorite thing about the Macrotera happens early in episode three when this happens. It's hard for you to struggle against the voices, isn't it, Ben? Finally, somebody gets me. Thanks, Ben. And Nathan, who have you heard from? Well, I've heard from Tony Cross who very tersely tells us that it's 1984 meets Heidi High. It's pretty fun. (laughs) I think that's quite good. We could just cut everything else, the whole other hour that we've just done, and just leave (laughs) people with that, I think. I think what what he's done there is he's confused Medoc with Ruth Madoc. Ah, easily done. Easily easily done. 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 Yeah. All right, and now I have Camo Hat Man, uh, who says, love this story. I don't know whether that's a command or an enthusiastic kind of recommendation, (laughs) but uh, the Big Brother concept used is one of the best utilisations of the idea in the show's history. The soundtrack is a big highlight as well. That's true. Uh, 
and every character has a role to play and they all do it greatly and brace yourselves there's no such thing as macro yeah, there we I'm go. gonna start getting my cigarette lighter out every time. <laughs> <laughs> we need a horn, like a horn yeah. for whenever anyone yeah, says yeah. that. Oh well. All right, and now, <laughs> now I have an Australian. <laughs> uh, would you believe? So, Goodness me! Uh, so, yes. Uh, so mm. this is Philip Edney from Sirens of Audio. Uh, Annika Wills and Michael Craze deserve awards for being able to look terrified of slow-moving cars coming towards them. Unfortunately, I suspect we miss all the best bits by not being able to view this lost episode. Patrick Troughton being washed and dried. Classic. I'm sure that's a Pornhub category by now. Um, And then finally, uh, contributor to uh, Flight Through Entirety, Simon Moore. Uh, Well, he's a host really at this point. Uh, Would be great to have an app back of this one. The still image of the Big Brother-esque controller with the repeated and increasingly hysteric there is no such thing as Macra is chilling. It's the happiness patrol of its day, a contrast to the more straight-laced moon base. Very, all very good points there. Thank you all so much for your feedback. It's great to hear from you. And if you would like to get in touch and uh, give us your thoughts on a forthcoming story, We'll be listing all the various ways and means over our end credits. So before we give Nathan the chance to plug his plethora of podcasts, we are going to do our little bit where we do our recommendations for listeners. Oh, lovely. And shall we start with Nathan? What would you like to recommend for our listeners? So this is a story that is in part about tricking people into enjoying their work in various meretricious ways. And so I'm going Mm. to recommend a TV show on Apple TV Plus called Severance. Okay. Which stars Patricia Arquette and Christopher Walken's in it as well. Uh, The main guy is... I can't remember the actor's name. Andy something. Uh, He's... He is in The Good Place and uh, Parks and Rec, but I can't remember the actor's name. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's set in a sort of Black Mirror-esque alternative present where people undergo a procedure called severance, which means that when they're at work, they can only remember ever being at work. And when they're at home, they don't remember being at work. And so it has all these sort of weird things to say about work and working in an office and identity and and all sorts of things. But it's Mm -hmm. also beautifully designed and directed. It's directed by Ben Stiller. It's uproariously funny. And it's a really, really proper kind of techno thriller. I just absolutely kind of binged it in a couple of sittings. It's really, really properly good and maybe the best thing I've watched all year. Apart from, you know, obviously the Macro Terror and uh, Legend oh, yeah. of the Sea Devils. <laughs> well, at least you've watched it. <laughs> <laughs> Bad fan. Mm. Uh, you'll be fine, really. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Nathan. I am going to go next, and as is my way, because I'm very close to hitting the milestone of being 50 in a few months time I am well behind the curve on 
most pop culture these days. I used to be quite hip and cool and into all the latest music trends and stuff, and uh, now I'm just a bit of a sad old man who, you know, likes to listen to his 90s indie and stuff like that. But I've uh, discovered an artist. I did one of those things, you know, you go onto YouTube and you start to go down that rabbit hole of watching various videos and then you link to the next one. And uh, I was watching this really interesting Q&A with a whole bunch of famous people who were talking about Prince just after he had died. And there was Spike Lee, the movie director, and there were a few other quite uh, notable names there. And there was a woman singer called Kimbra, who, till that point, I was completely unaware of. And she hails from New Zealand, so uh, not too far away from you, Nathan. And she is hard to sort of pigeonhole into a particular kind of genre. The album I've listened to the most is called The Golden Echo. And she kind of spans all the kind of various musical uh, trends from R&B to pop to almost jazz and getting into sort of avant-garde stuff as well and some of the sounds that she's using. She talks in some videos about being inspired by people like Prince, obviously, and Björk and all these other artists. And uh, I've really enjoyed that album. So, uh, yeah, that's The Golden Echo, and that's by Kimbra. And uh, Ian, who have you... Sorry, I'm just, down, I'm just downloading to. that. I'm so suggestible. <laughs> I'm so. I'm, so I'm looking at her Wikipedia page. She's magnificent. Look mm, at her. She really is. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, well, obviously, I am still a long way away from that particular milestone. I am still very much down with the kids, and um, <laughs> I'm going to mention someone who's got a single out at the moment. Okay. Um, it's and I've I've been a fan for a few years now, but a guy called Trevor Sensor. He's from okay. Illinois. And he sings like an evil gnome trapped at the bottom of a well. <laughs> there is a kind of Dylan thing going on, but yeah, I, I infinitely say, prefer him to Dylan. And he's just put mm. out um, a double A side um, of songs called In a Cadillac Hearse and How to Find Love in a Place Like This. Both of which are very different songs, but both of which are really very, very lovely. Hmm. Well, that's marvellous. So that's something for you all to check out when you're uh, taking a break from the great journey, if you're following along with us. Nathan, before you disappear, would you like to give a plug to your massive stable of podcasts that you've got now? Yes, so the original one is Flight to Entirety, which we've been doing since 2013 or something. Uh, and mm -hmm. we started, it's an odd uh, premise, I don't know if you've ever considered it we started watching mm. doctor who from the beginning and then podcasted oh. in order through the mm. stories um oh. yeah how yeah. original yeah no it's a thing worth considering and and <laughs> uh, we we are currently well at the time of uh, recording we are about mm. to launch into series 7b so that's 2013. So we will have done 50 mm. years of You're podcasting. You're a tad ahead of us. A little bit ahead. Um, mm. And then we have Untitled Star Trek Project, which I've mentioned before. I have mm. uh, put up on the internet a, a randomizer that lets you just pick Star Trek episodes uh -huh. at random. And so... Joe Can I say... Mm. 
Can I say I listened to your episode on Spock's brain? Uh, were we cruel? That was infinitely cruel more but fair. <laughs> it's infinitely more fun than watching the episode it's Spock's really brain. It's boring. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted it to be fun, but it was just boring. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm. So uh, that's Untitled Star Trek Project. Um, we have Bonfinger, where we slur our way drunkenly through all the Bond films and various mm. Avengers episodes and other, as I said before, 60s spy fi shit. And. Uh, Jody into Terror, which was our flashcast where we gave our ill-considered first reactions to episodes um, uh, of the new series with Jodie Whittaker as the Doctor. Mm. Have I forgotten one? Oh, Maximum Power, which I don't run. Yes. So uh, it's the thing that I think about last. It's the... It's or everyone from FDE has at some point guested on it pretty much, uh, and mm-hmm. lots of lovely people from England as well. And yes, uh, at the time of recording again, we've recorded all of Series B, but not released it. So perhaps oh, wow. uh, you, okay. dear listener, live in a terrifying future dystopia where all thirteen <laughs> Series B episodes of Maximum Power are available to download. Well, that's marvellous. So if you enjoyed listening to Nathan's thoughts on Doctor Who, you've got a whole bunch of different uh, options there to, to keep listening. Thank you so much for joining us again. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was a blast. So next time out, we'll be stopping off at the airport for some duty-free and a Toblerone. To Blarony. Oh, yes, <laughs> it's <sorry>. Italian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So thank you all for listening, and until next time, I was Mark. I was the old shaft. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm Nathan. If you'd like to get in touch, you can email us at mailbagofrassilon at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at Time and Space Pod, and you can also find us on Facebook. If you want to leave some audio feedback, there is a link in the show notes. You can use your phone or your computer and leave up to 60 seconds of feedback or if you're listening via the Anchor website you can click on the message button and leave your audio we'd love to hear from you and thank you to Momo Tempo for providing our theme music 